just when you thought it was over. <laughs> we found another way to milk every part out of this uh, Multiply series that we're doing. Um, we just can't help it. God just keeps giving us more topics, so what can we say? Uh, but uh, today is the power to multiply. So speaking about God's authority and grace. So uh, we, we feel like God has spoken, even um, when Jennifer Evaz was here, she wasn't here on a Sunday, she was just here on a Wednesday for a few days, but she came and spoke at Kingdom Life. The word that she shared was about acceleration and multiplication and increase on our community. And so I don't know if anyone's been feeling that. You felt a sense of acceleration in your life, a sense of multiplication. Anyone? Don't, don't put your hand up if you do. No? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen. I just want to know if I'm on, I'm on the only one here. But uh, yes, amen. Awesome. Uh, if you haven't, it's coming. So uh, get ready for it. But uh, this is not a scary thing. This is something to say God's like, cool, we're, we're, we're speeding up. We're moving forward. Uh, it's not necessarily adding new things to your life, but it's increasing that which is already upon your life, upon our community. And so we're certainly sensing that. Um, it's about seeing what is already there multiplying. That's what happens. You have to have a seed before you can, have, before you can multiply that seed. Um, so it's that which is already moving, beginning to move faster. And a couple of weeks ago in our staff prayer time on a Tuesday morning, I felt like God said to me, there's grace for the task at hand and there's authority for the task at hand. So there's grace and there is authority. So whenever God gives a, a task, whenever God commands us to do something, he provides the authority and the grace for us to accomplish it. He doesn't give us a task that we can't accomplish with him. Now, we know the scripture, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that is a promise. That is something we need to own and declare that we can do that. But it's not necessarily just about whatever I want to do, I can do with God's power. It's that which he gives me to do with Christ, I can accomplish that thing. It would be foolish for God to give us a task that we couldn't accomplish with him. Uh, so he certainly does that. So there is grace for the task at hand. There's authority for the task at hand. And then I was reflecting on the Great Commission, which we've been sitting on, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. But it starts with this phrase right before go and make disciples of all nations. It says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore, or as you go, therefore make disciples. So it begins with this declaration of authority from Jesus. He says, all authority has been given to me, so you can now go. If we are under the authority of Christ, that means all the authority that Jesus has, he gives to us. We are under delegated authority of Jesus. So that is the reason why we can go and make disciples, because we have been given authority to do so. You have been given the authority to go and make disciples of Jesus. It's really important that we understand that. And the Great Commission then ends with a declaration of grace. Now, you won't see the word, but Jesus says, and I am with you always, even to the ends of the age. The, the grace of God is the empowering presence of God. So when Jesus says, and I'll be with you by his spirit, it means every aspect of his power and his grace is with you to complete that task. So it begins with authority and it ends with grace, the grace, the power of his presence. So we know I have authority to make disciples and I have the power of God with me to make disciples. Amen? So we have authority to multiply and we have grace to multiply. We have authority to do what God has called us to do and we have the grace to accomplish it. Amen? Yeah. Amen. It's really important that we understand if we're taking on a task and we feel like, but am I supposed to be doing this? And, and can I do that? I don't feel like I have the strength or I don't feel like I'm equipped or I don't feel like I have this, that or whatever. Whatever excuse we might come up with, 
We must understand that we have authority and we have grace, so therefore we have no excuse. When God gives a command and he gives authority and grace, then we are without excuse. And you can come up with a million and one excuses and his grace is more sufficient than any excuse that you might come up with. Now, I'm not saying we come up with excuses because we just don't want to do it. Maybe that's the case. But I think sometimes we feel inadequate to do the task that God has called us to do. And God's fully aware of that, which is why he gives us his grace, which is why he's put his spirit in us. So when we look at authority, spiritual authority is the God-given right to receive and use God's power that flows from the indwelling Holy Spirit. So when God gives us authority, he gives us the right to receive and to utilize his power. It's permission to use what you have access to in the Holy Spirit. You have permission to make disciples. You have authority to make disciples. You have permission to exercise God's authority to accomplish the task that he has given you. Now, again, I probably glossed over this many, many, many times and not really pressed in to to think more about that and what does that mean for me. But it's in the same way that you today as a citizen, you could go and you could own a gun in Australia. Okay, you can go and get your license as long as you've got storage and you cover all the training and do all the things that you need to do. You can own a gun. But it doesn't mean that you have the authority to openly carry that gun everywhere that you go. So you, you can own something, you can, you've received it, I've got this thing, doesn't mean I have the authority to do whatever I want with it. You can drive a car. Doesn't mean you have the authority to pull people over when they do the wrong thing. As much as you would like to have that power. You find it really beneficial the number of times you'd like to pull that person over. Just let them know you don't need to do that. You can... Yeah, I was riding my motorbike the other day and I pulled up to an intersection and the car in front in the turning lane was like a whole car length away from the line. And so then it goes through the cycle and then I'm waiting for the light to go green, it doesn't go green. I'm like, oh, because they haven't pulled up far enough to set off the sensors. So I hopped off my motorbike and I went and tapped on the window and probably maybe scared the woman. She didn't seem too scared, but I was just like, you need to move forward. And, uh, but yeah, I didn't pull out my badge or anything like that, my Wheaties badge, but... Uh, yeah, I do remember a time one time we were, we were kids and uh, we were at Garden City on a Thursday night and we were just playing up and mucking around outside and, uh, and a guy came up to us and he literally flipped his wallet down. Shh. He's like, all right, shh, be quiet. You guys need to stop mucking around. We're like, okay, cool, cool. I have no idea what was in his wallet. <laughs> Could have been like a blockbuster video card or something he's flipped out, but it was enough that we just thought, okay, yes, he's clearly in authority to tell us what to do. He must be a policeman, but who knows? But I wonder, what would our prayer life look like? What might your prayer life change into if you actually understood the authority that you have in Christ to accomplish all that he has commanded you? What would it look like? How would our prayer life change? People outside of authority plead. People under authority command and decree. So if we are under authority, it means I've already been given the authority to accomplish. So I can go out and I can do that thing. I don't need to ask God's permission to go and make disciples. I don't need to ask God's permission to to command healing of somebody's body because he's already given me the authority. He's commissioned me to do that. I don't need to ask God to please cast out a demon because he's commissioned me and he's given me authority to do that. He's given us authority over the demonic realm. So we don't ask God, we don't plead with God, God, would you please heal? God, would you please cast out this demon? We say, sickness be gone in Jesus' name. Yeah. 
We say, demon, be gone in Jesus' name because we have the authority and we have the presence of God, the power of God to accomplish those things. But as we pray about those people that are on our hearts, that God has put in our hearts that do not know him today, we need to pray with authority. We need to command and decree salvation. We need to command and decree open doors. As Nicole shared last week, we need to take that outline of prayer. and we say, I'm going to actually start praying like I believe it and like I have the authority to accomplish it and like I have the power to see it fulfilled. Because that's what God is inviting you into. We, we live in a, in a culture of weakness. We live in a culture of, of victimhood, this victim mentality. The, the, but the church isn't designed to live in that. We're not designed to live under that. We need to be in the victor place, not domination, not control, but to understand we have victory. And if we are not decreeing and declaring the things of God, the desires of God's heart, they're not going to come about because the authority is residing with us. And God is waiting for us to start to live as the people of God, the people that he has called us to. But we sit back, oh, maybe I should, I don't know if I should. And all of these excuses and all of this wondering, God's like, just go and do it. And you're better off to go and extend beyond that authority than stand back from your authority. God will stop you if he needs to stop you. If you get outside of the realm of authority, God will make it clear to you. It's in the same way in the book of Acts when the apostle Paul was, he'd received the mission of God to go and preach the gospel to the Gentiles. So they would go. They would go from, to every place where they could possibly go. And there's accounts in the book of Acts where they would go to go into a town that says, and the Holy Spirit prevented us from entering. So they weren't sitting around in a prayer meeting, oh God, where should we go? They were just going. Because they're not wondering, should we go, should we go now? Do you mean go? Just go. Should, should I do? Just do it. Do something. Start activating and the Holy Spirit will prevent you. If he's not, he's like, no, no, we're not going here. You're going over here now. That's a better way to be living rather than waiting around for God to give another prophetic word before you move, to give another sign before you step out, to have there to be another prayer meeting that you need to attend to get that. Just start acting, start living as though Jesus is real and he's given you the authority and the grace to fulfill all that he's given you. Amen. There are things that we should ask for. There's plenty of examples in the scriptures of things that we should ask for. But there are things that have already been tasked to us. He's tasked us with, he's given us the authority to accomplish. For those things, we must exercise his authority and expect his grace to supply all that's needed. Amen? So grace is the empowering presence of God. I know there's been a lot of teaching in the last kind of little while about this idea of grace being this covering for sin. So when you mess up, it's okay because God's grace covers your sin. I, I, just, I don't agree with that teaching theologically. Okay? And I've got, I've got whole sermons on all of that that you, can, that you can look into. I'm not saying that the grace of God is an unmerited favor. So in, the, in, the English, in our English translations, the word charis can be translated favor, it can be translated grace, I guess depending on the context. But when we read about grace, if you look at every single scripture and if you were to translate that as the empowering presence of God, it makes sense all the way through the scriptures. If you empower it as this like, oh, if I mess up, it's okay, the grace of God covers all of my sin. Your sin was covered on the cross. Okay, his mercy keeps you connected. God is merciful to us, but grace empowers righteousness. It doesn't cover sin. 
Okay? And if we say that, the, the, that grace is unmerited, I also don't agree with that. That's the, uh, I think in the Amplified Bible, that's kind of the footnote that it gives to that. Because clearly in the scriptures, the grace of God is merited. Yeah. And it's merited upon humility. Yeah. I know, I've got the scripture here somewhere. James 4.6, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God stands against those who are proud, but he empowers those who are humble. He gives grace to those who are humble. So humility merits favour and grace. I'm not going to get into all that teaching. If that's new, it's okay. You can go and search it on YouTube and... And I said, I mean, plenty of people teach that same thing, but I think it's really important because when we understand grace as being this like covering for where I'm stuck, it doesn't empower me to move. I'm thankful for God's mercy. I'm thankful for the finished work of Christ. I'm thankful that even as we take communion, we recognize that it's his broken body and his spilt blood that allows me to be in communion with God that I'm made right with God because of that finished work of Jesus. So now I don't need to be concerned about that. Do I still confess my sin? Absolutely. Healing comes. I do all of those same things. I don't pretend that sin doesn't exist in my life. But as I pray and as I lean into God, my expectation is, God, I'm stuck and you have the grace to empower me to come out of that place. God, I'm caught in this sin, but you have the grace and the power to bring me out of that sin that I might walk in righteousness. It's just a different way of thinking. I'm not a victim. We are victorious over sin because Christ has been victorious over sin. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. The Apostle Paul says, and he said to me, so God says to him, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. So again, grace and power. My grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. So grace and power are linked there. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. So understand grace and power are linked here, even in this passage. But God says, my grace is sufficient for you. Well, God, I'm weak. And God says, his answer is, my grace is sufficient for you. So my power is, is enough. You don't need more. You don't, you don't need to be powerful because my grace is powerful. So as we look at uh, Luke chapter 10, this is where Jesus has sent out a whole bunch of his disciples into the world. And he tells them to go and cast out demons, to release peace, his shalom over places, over households, you know, to stay there, to eat with people. This is the, the first time where the disciples have seen the example of Jesus. And now he's said to them, all right, you're going to go and do the same things that I was just doing. And in Luke 10, 17, the 72 returned with joy saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They return with joy. So you would assume that their expectation was, it's like, we want to believe you, Jesus, that this is going to turn out well for us, but we'll wait and see. They go, they do what Jesus has said, and they come back with joy, like, you would not believe it, Jesus. He's like, actually, I would. Uh, you wouldn't, you're not going to believe this, Jesus. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Again, they're saying we would command a demon to flee and it would go because we're under your authority. 
And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over how much power of the enemy? All. Any Greek scholars here in the room? Okay, you don't need to be a Greek scholar to understand that all means all. All power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So again, Jesus brings it around. This is normal stuff, guys. Don't get overexcited about the fact that you have all authority and you're casting out demons. That's just normal stuff. Rejoice in the fact that your names are written in the book of life. They're written in heaven. So you're known by heaven. Heaven knows you, knows your name. Okay? That's what we want to rejoice in. But still, he's not discounting anything of their experience. But it was almost like to Jesus, like, why, why are you even surprised about that? Why are you rejoicing about that? Like, boring. <laughs> it's like Kingdom 101, guys. Come on. But to understand, like it's written so clearly, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy. So as you walk around the streets, as you go to work, as you're sitting in your living room, you're sitting there with all authority over the power of the enemy. So anything starts to go funky in your house, how much power over the enemy do you have? All. Amen. Someone starts manifesting demons, how much power over that demon do you have? We have all the authority to go and do that. So we need not fear because we are under the authority of Christ and we have all the authority to accomplish everything that he has for us. That's why demons don't scare me. Yeah. All that you know, funky, weird, spiritual, it doesn't scare me because I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm over that stuff. Yeah. I'm not over it. You know, I'm over it. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. So clearly, as I said, the disciples weren't expecting the outcome that they received. It was only when they stepped out in obedience that they saw the power and authority of Jesus at work within them. So if they're coming back surprised, it means their expectation was that whatever Jesus had said isn't actually going to be the outcome. So they, didn't, they weren't fully grasping it, but they still stepped out in obedience. So they did it scared. They did it not fully believing. They stepped out into the unknown, unsure of what the outcome would be, just trusting in the word of Jesus that if they were obedient, that these are the things that would happen. And they stepped out in obedience, and what did they discover? Truth. They discover that what God says is actually true. It's when we step out that the grace flows. Again, we, we, I understand that we want to we want to experience it all. We want to feel it all. We want to have it all. We want to be so 100% sure that we have it all. Okay, then I'll go. If I know that when I pray for that person, they'll get healed, then I'll pray. If I know that, that if that, that demon's going to flee when I, when I command it to, then I'll, then I'll go and do that. I know that, I'm, if I, that you know, this person that doesn't know you today, Lord, that you desire that they would know you. And if I go and be obedient and just share and enter into their lives, that they're going to respond to you, Jesus. Once I know that, then I'll step out. That's just not the way that life works. It's not the way that anything works. It's in the stepping out that the grace comes. It's in the stepping out. It's in the going that we get to experience the truth of the word of God. It's as we move out of our comfort zone, we step into his comfort. We've got to get out of our comfort zone so we can step into the zone of the comforter. But we are under, in this nation, we are, we are under principalities of slumber, 
Society is under principalities of comfort. So people don't want to move. So it means that even culturally, the culture that you may have been brought up in, if you've been brought up in this nation, has been under this principality of comfort. Oh, it's laid back. It's more, it's lazy, is what it is. And so for us, we need to say, well, I'm not under the authority of that principality because I'm under the authority of Christ. And Christ is empowering me. He has given me his power. He's put his spirit within me. So I'm not lazy. I'm not seeking comfort. I'm seeking the comforter. And I want to put myself in situations where I have to rely on him, not seeking how can I be more comfortable, but actually how can I accomplish more for Jesus. But I know even as I go out, I'm going to experience his comfort. Even in hardship and trial and suffering and persecution, God is going to be present. He's going to be with me and he's going to supply all of my needs. I'm going to feel the, the presence of his comfort. Yeah. Now, again, it's important that we know our limitations. To be healthy people, we need to understand that we need to have healthy boundaries. We need to manage our energy levels and all of that sort of stuff. So what I'm not saying is just go and extend yourself beyond your own capacity and burn yourself out and do any of that stuff. I'm not advocating for that. Hopefully, if you spend any time in this community, we're all about healthy living. Okay? But what we don't want is to then start to marry that with our own comfort or start to fear, oh, but what if I push myself too hard? You're going to push yourself too hard. It just happens sometimes. And that's how you learn your limitations. Okay? But when God gives you a task, so I'm not talking about doing things in our own power. When we do our own things in our own power, then we're reliant upon ourselves and we get the outcomes of what life looks like when I depend upon me. Yeah. Booming and busting yeah. is, is the pattern that we live in. When I understand that I'm, I'm to be obedient to God, I'm to take on board the things that he has tasked me to do, then I know, okay, I have authority and grace to accomplish those things. I might look at myself and say, I don't know if I have the ability or the capacity to do that. And that's okay. But if God has told me to do it, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. I've had plenty of times where, I mean, in, in, in my role here, it's quite busy. There's lots of things to be done. In the, in the natural, in many ways, like we've got teams of leaders, we've got a, a women's recovery program, we've got the, what's happening at the crew, we've got this whole site that we're renovating, and then there's this, this church community as well, you know, that thing, that little thing, it's like... All of this stuff, teaching, I could teach three times a week at different things that are happening. Like there's just a lot that goes on. But even when it came to starting Kingdom Life, well, we felt like God was saying, you need, this is what I want you to do. And so we did that. And there has been a grace to accomplish that. Like it's a long day on a Wednesday for me, but I just feel grace. I feel an ease to it. And it's weird. It's like it's more work piled upon all of the work that I already have. But because God says, this is what I want you to do, and we step out in obedience to that, all of a sudden there's this ease and this flow and there's this grace to it. And sometimes the grace of God lifts. Sometimes that can be in relationship. God will call you to minister and to journey with someone for a season and there's an ease. And then all of a sudden that grace lifts and it's like, actually, I just don't have grace for this because God says, cool, you've done what you need to do. Now you need to move on. That could be in, in, a, in a job, that could be wherever you are, there can be times again where God's grace lifts because the task that he has asked you to accomplish is completed. So again, we need to manage ourselves in that place. But what we don't want to do is to step into fear, where I'm, I'm so fear of pushing myself beyond my capacity. 
Because if God says do it, he'll give you the capacity if you stay in dependency. So we need to know our limitations, but also go, know God's limitless power and authority to accomplish what he has for us. Amen? So the other thing about this season that we're in, and I know uh, Ryan Lestrange posted a little mini video about it, but um, it, it really helped me. It reminded me who we are as a community. So to understand that Paradox Church has a, has a particular calling upon it, as every church in our city and in the nations do. Okay? So we, we're not all called to be exactly the same. All right? So there's different parts of what God wants to accomplish. He'll, he'll mantle a different church to, to do that. Uh, but to understand that we as an apostolic community, uh, that we as a people of God and we are called to pioneer certain things for our city and our heart is always to bless the body of Christ. So much of what we do, we're like, we just want to do this so we can give it away. And we can bless other people and we can help other, other places. But it means that whenever you're in an apostolic uh, framework, and that means you're pioneering new works, which means the principalities and powers really do not like you. They really want to oppose everything that you're doing. And even when I think about the sign outside that says the gathering space, which is where we gather, but for me, I'm more, in, I'm more inclined about the sending space. <laughs> Because actually, we're, we're here to send you out. That's why I'm speaking to you about the power and the authority, not that I have, not that the leaders here have, but that every single one of you has. The power to go out and make disciples, the power to go out and, and expand the kingdom of God into every sphere. You have the authority to do that. You have the power to do that. And we commission you and encourage you to go and do that. But to understand that it just means that we keep coming up against things because we're pioneering things that are going to expand the kingdom. And as the kingdom of God expands, the kingdom of darkness decreases. And the devil doesn't like that. But it means that we need to be responsible for our thought life. So I also felt it's a season where we need to be aware of our thought life and take authority over every thought that does not belong in God's kingdom. Principalities and powers control philosophies. They control ways of thinking. That's how communities and people groups are controlled. They're controlled philosophically. Okay? And the, the primary place that it happens is in people's thought life. So it's getting people to agree with a particular philosophy, a particular way of thinking. We see this right through the media, which I think is you know, currently probably the devil's main strategy to influence culture is through the media. And I'm not going to get into all, all any sort of conspiracy stuff, but you better believe that there are forces that are conspiring together to diminish God's kingdom and God's people. So we need to conspire together in our prayers and in our behaviors to see the kingdom of God expand because as Jesus promised, the gates of hell will not prevail against the expanding kingdom of God. So we are on the offensive we are on the move expanding the kingdom of God. His glorious, life-giving, loving kingdom. Again, not crushing people because the battle is not against flesh and blood, but seeing the life-giving flow of God's presence flood the earth, His glory filling the earth. Uh, 2 Corinthians 10, starting at verse 3, it says, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, are we at war? Well, of course, and we're given weapons. The weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power, so godly power to destroy strongholds. What's a stronghold? 
A stronghold is an ungodly pattern of thought. In the natural, you would say in the fleshly kind of realm, strongholds, militarily, they'll be, you know, kind of outposts where they might set up, you know, sort of machine guns and tanks and all of that sort of stuff. So they're strongholds. They, they might protect a particular area, okay? When it comes to spiritual warfare, strongholds are ways of thinking, patterns of thinking, philosophies. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So if you want some more, it's like, is that what strongholds are? Clearly it's there, every thought captive to obey Christ. So we have divine power to destroy strongholds. The first place we need to destroy the strongholds is in our own mind. Okay? So I don't want to be trapped in a stronghold trying to destroy other strongholds. The first place in there, I need to be aware of my own thought life. Literally driving here this morning, I got to the roundabout near my house and that's when this word dropped to me. But I'm, I'm, because I'm thinking about things and I'm processing and that little hint of offense can drop in. Or that little hint of like, oh, that's frustrating. Or that little, just that hint of something that kind of pops in. And very easily you can go down that flow of that thought pattern. Well, yeah, but they did this and they, they do do that. And they, oh, that frustrates me. And why can't there be more of this? And why can't there be... And you start getting caught up in that place. Now, again, what I'm doing is I'm acting like a victim. Why, 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 why? Not rather than going, okay, Lord, I'm going to start praying and taking authority and declaring the opposite of what's going on. So I become victim, but I actually empower that way of thinking. And I might then start speaking out things that align with that ungodly way. And I'm giving more credence. I'm helping to strengthen that stronghold in my mind of how things are the way that I think they should be. Whereas what I need to do is start taking those thoughts captive and say, that's not a kingdom thought. That's not a thought from the heart of God. That's not a desire of the Lord's. So I'm actually going to take that thing captive and I'm going to make it obey Jesus. I've had plenty of times in my life where I've literally just in my mind, in my imagination, I'd get a thought coming, I don't like that thought, that's not from heaven, and I'd, I'd like grab it in my mind and like, oh, you obey Jesus. Like, I know that's probably not the way we get people to obey, but that's how I get my thoughts to obey. Anyway, I beat them into submission. Um, but we take, we're like, we've got to start in that place. We've got to start in our prayer life of then decreeing the opposite of those things. So you get a thought that comes in, don't, oh, I'll just ignore that. No, take it captive. It doesn't say ignore the thoughts that oppose Jesus. It says take them captive and make them obey Jesus. Bring them into obedience with how Jesus would think. Bring them into obedience with how heaven would declare something to be. And then start praying in that way. So, well, no, Lord, I, de- I decree peace over this place. I decree peace over my heart. I de- decree peace over my mind. I decree peace over my neighborhood. I've got this neighbor and they're bugging me. They're doing this. Well, Father, I decree blessing over that neighbor. I decree increase over, over the struggles that we're facing. I'm, you know, shoplifting at the shops. Well, I, Father, I decree blessing over those families, Lord. That breakthrough would happen, that the generational strongholds would be broken so that they can come out of poverty and into a kingdom mindset. Yeah. <clears throat> How often do we see things and they just annoy us and then we move on? Yeah. But maybe those things are annoying you because God is prompting you to pray. He's prompting you to declare and decree the opposite so that that thing might change. Because what you allow is allowed to stay. What you don't allow isn't allowed to stay. You're given the keys of the kingdom, the Bible says. You're given the keys of the kingdom. So what does that mean? So it means if you declare something to stop happening, then it's going to stop happening. 
if it's an alignment, if that doesn't happen in heaven, then it shouldn't be happening on earth. I'm, I'm, I'm going to participate in my prayer to see that come about. The battle of the mind can be the greatest battle that we face. If we give space to ungodly thinking, we don't leave space for grace. We need to exercise God's authority over our own minds in order that we can think clearly, pray freely, and act obediently. All right, so how do we access the grace of God? To access the authority of God, you've just got to do it. You've got to act as though I have the right to do this. I have the right to pray these things. I have the right to command and decree these things. So again, it's not about you just thinking up a good idea. It's, it's all based in scripture. Okay? But if God says, this is how I want you to pray, then you have authority in that prayer. But we know humility, James 4, 6, as I read before, therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is the access point to the grace of God, to the power of God. So many of them say, yeah, I have authority. I'm awesome. I can do this. I can do that. It's like, God, I know you've given me the authority, but I know that I'm weak. I know that I don't have the power. Lord, I always forget to pray. God, I always get scared in those moments. So what we do is we can embrace our weakness and our limitation and we bring that before God and we say, but God, you are limitless, you are powerful. So I thank you that your grace will empower me to do that which I can't do in my own strength. It's okay to think I can't do this as long as our response to that thought is, but God can do this. We need to start declaring there's grace for that. I even feel like we need to have that word ready that when we're in conversation with someone and they're sharing things like, I'm just stuck here and I'm, and I'm struggling here and I could never do that. We need to say, there's grace for that. We just start declaring that over one another, even in our conversations, in our own minds, whenever we come across a limitation, we know, but there's grace for that. But I've got to humble myself to say, I, I, I need your grace, Lord. I need your strength. I need your power. So the first thing is humility and the second thing is dependency. John 15, 4 says, Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So this place of resting into God, this place of dependency upon God, that we understand, yes, I cannot do this, but you can do all things, Lord. So we'd stay in that place of dependency. We'd stay in that place of leaning and stay in that place of connection and intimacy with God, listening to his voice, understanding, God, I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it scared because you're with me. And you're going to give me the strength. You're going to give me the courage to do that. We need to become more aware of God and less aware of us. More aware of who God is, of his power, his love, his goodness, and his strength. And less aware of who we are, less aware of our lack, our sin, our fear, and our brokenness. To set your eyes on things that are above, not on things that are below, not on the things that we're stuck in, bring them to the Lord. Don't, don't hide away from sin. Don't hide away from your brokenness. Bring it to God and say, God, there is grace for this. There is grace for you to free me from this stuck place. And I've been around the mountain enough times, there's, there's grace, Lord, that you would break me free from this pattern. Now, you might need to seek out some prayer ministry, get some support that people can journey you through that. You might need to seek some accountability. But if it's when you will step out and act that the Lord will meet you in that. Because he's already going. So if you want his presence, go with him. Amen? All right, we're going to pray.
Why don't you pray with me? Why don't you, if you're, if you're able to stand, why don't you stand? <clears throat> Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just receive that word, Lord, that you spoke a couple of thousand years ago, Lord. That all authority has been given to you. And that's why we go. That's how we go. We go because all authority has been given to you and you've commanded us to go, Lord. And we go in authority, Lord, because we are under your Lordship, Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that your promise is that you will be with us, God. That you will never leave us nor forsake us, Lord. That you've come and you've made your home within us, Holy Spirit. So we just acknowledge your presence now. We acknowledge your presence within us. We thank you for that wellspring of life. We thank you that you have come and you've, you reside in us, Holy Spirit. God has mighty things to do through your life. And it might not even be spectacular things on the outside. It might just be God wanting you to raise a family well. It might be just God's just saying, I want you to be the best employee ever. I just want you to be the most amazing neighbor. But through the seeds that you will plant, forests can grow. Mighty things can come out of very small things. But it's when we understand our authority in Christ and the power of God that's available to us. Lord, would you shift our mindsets, God? I even pray, Lord, and I take authority over every stronghold of thought that would place a limitation on anyone's life here today or anyone watching this online later. I take authority over every thought that would set itself up against the knowledge of Christ, every limiting thought, every thought of I, I could never, every thought of I'm not enough, every thought of I'll be, you don't know about my history or my past or what I struggle with. I just thank you, Lord, that there are no limitations, Father. And I bind that spirit of witchcraft and control now in Jesus' name. And I silence you. I take you captive and I command you to go now. Father, you would set people free from those strongholds of thought that have kept them bound, that have kept them down. Lord, every victim mentality be broken now in Jesus' name. You are not a victim, you are a victor. You may have been a victim, but that is not your identity. It may have been your experience, but it is not your identity in Christ. You are victorious and the Lord is gonna prove His victory in your life. If you would just trust Him, if you would yield to Him, if you would come out of agreement with those ways of thinking. We thank You, Father, for the increase that You are placing upon our lives, upon this church, Lord. We thank You for the work that You are doing. It's not our work, Lord, it's Your work. And we're just here to be obedient to You, Lord. But Father, we would understand that we have authority in Christ and we have grace to accomplish that which You have called us to do. There is authority upon this church community, Lord, and there is grace to accomplish all that You have called us to do, Lord. 
Again, it's not the work of Paradox Church. It's not the work of us as individuals. It's Your work, God. And we only wanna be about Your work, Jesus. So would You continue to bring that revelation, that understanding? Would You put the words in our mouth and help us to understand we must decree those words, Lord. We must declare those words. We must walk in adherence to the words that You're speaking out, Father. Because we wanna see You receive the reward of Your sacrifice, Jesus. But I wonder this morning if you feel like you need uh, just a fresh touch from God, I I just wanna pray and, and mantle you with the authority of Christ and pray a fresh outpouring of His grace, His empowering presence this morning. This might not be a new work, it's just an acknowledgement of that which has already been established, but it's a prophetic act of us coming into agreement that we have the authority to do what God has called us to do and we have the grace in Him to accomplish all that He has called us to do. So I'm wondering if you would like that prayer, would you come forward, just fill up this front space and we're gonna pray. Father, for these mighty, victorious people, Lord. These mighty, victorious ones, God. We thank You, Father, for the call that You've placed upon their life, Lord. We know that we each have an individual destiny that You've called us to walk in, Lord. And it's not for our own fulfilment, Lord. It's for the fulfilment of Your desires, Jesus. And we receive the joy of just walking in obedience. We receive the joy of being in partnership with You, Lord. We, we get to enjoy the fellowship of Your presence, Lord, because You are going and we want to go with You, Jesus. Thank You, Father. But Lord, I just pray just a fresh mantling of Your authority upon Your people today, Lord. Would You mantle them, Lord? Would You come and clothe them with their authority, Lord, that they would understand like military garb, Lord. There would be a a distinction upon them, Father. They would feel it upon them as they walk about in their lives, Lord. They would know I've been mantled with authority from Jesus. That I walk in His authority. I am under His authority. But I have power to decree and to declare that which the Lord has called me to. So we thank You, Father, for that fresh mantling of power. We commission you to go in Jesus' name. We bless you to go. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for the fresh mantling of authority in Jesus' name. And we thank you, Father, for the grace for the task at hand. We just ask for a fresh outpouring of your presence, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We just thank You, Father, that no one has missed the boat, Lord. It's not too late, God. We thank You, Lord. It's never too late, Jesus. Receive. Thank You, Jesus. Fresh authority, Lord. We thank You, Father. We just pray, Lord, that they would own it. They would own the authority. It belongs to you. It's a gift from God. 
It's a gift from God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we bless you and we commission you to go in Jesus' name. We commission you to go in Jesus' name to go and fulfill everything that He has called you to. Thank you, Lord. I just pray fresh vision, Lord. Even as strongholds have been broken this morning, Lord, I thank you, Father, for a free flow of thought, fresh vision for what you have, God. Fresh vision, Lord. Fresh vision, Lord. We thank you, God, that you would just lift off limitations in Jesus' name. Every limitation be lifted off. Every limitation be lifted off now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. I even just bind up false humility, God, where we've embraced weakness as some sort of virtue, Lord. I just thank you, Father, for true humility, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you. Fresh vision, Lord. Fresh power, fresh fire. Thank you, Lord, that you commission us to go. You commission us to go into all nations, baptizing, immersing people in the presence of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that the nations would be blessed. That the nations would be blessed, Lord. Yes. Thank you, Lord. We just thank you, Father, for nation blesses here this morning, Lord, that this nation is going to be blessed, blessed, blessed. We say yes to your authority, Jesus. We say yes to your calling, Jesus. Thank you for nation blesses, Lord. Thank you, Father, for cultural engineers. Thank you, Lord. Kingdom architecture being released now. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. We thank you for greater measure, Lord. Greater measure, Father. We thank you for ingenuity to transform cultures and communities. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We thank you for new ideas, Jesus. New ideas. Thank you, Lord. Would you take off, lift off the limitations in Jesus' name? 